Wake up NHL fans it is Thursday. This is your morning cup of hockey alongside Colby Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus and we have a lot to talk about today. I might actually raise my voice and yell at Colby because we've been debating off camera for about, I don't know, 24 hours, even on Twitter talking about Alexi Lafreniere. We'll get into Austin Matthews. We'll talk about Boston versus Edmonton last night and maybe some trade deadline stuff to wrap up the show, but it's going to be a fun one today. It's going to be a hostile one today and Colby, are you ready to go? Cause I'm pretty fired up myself. I am ready to go and talk about this, Johnny, because you're pissing me off. You're pissing me off because you're, you're being a little delusional about things. And what I want to say before we get into this is today is a great day um, <laughs> to, to be heard in the chat because this is yeah. going to be opinion based arguments um, especially for Johnny who likes to argue with emotion and not hard facts or hard evidence. Um, you know, we, we see that in today's society quite often. Um, but here, here's where I want to start this morning before we talk about Lafreniere specifically, mm-hmm. I want to talk about, um, the word elite in hockey. Okay. And, and here's what I want to talk about. Well, yes, I feel like we'll mix it I- in. No. It's no, no. I want to, I want to start with this, Johnny, because yesterday after you're, you posted that video of you talking about Lafreniere getting a hundred point season and look, your whole Rangers fan base came to your defense and the amount of people that were replying to those, that video saying he's an elite playmaker. He's an elite passer. He just doesn't get any luck was the most ridiculous thing and the most the most misuse of the word elite that I have seen as of late on the internet in hockey. When we use the term elite in hockey, we are talking about McDavid, McCarr, Dreisaitl, okay, Kucherov, Pasternak, okay? Those players are elite, okay? McKinnon. Fox, McKinnon, okay? We're talking about the cream of the crop of the NHL. Not every player who plays in the all-star game is elite. You could be very good. Mika Zibanejad is a very good hockey player. He is not an elite hockey player. He is not on the same level as a guy like even Panarin, to be honest, who, in my opinion, is an elite level hockey player. So I just think for to start, okay, mm-hmm. let's not misuse the word elite. I don't want to hear that Alexis Lafreniere is elite at anything because right away you're telling me you have no idea what you're talking about. It doesn't mean he's not a good NHL player. Okay. Right. But he's nowhere near close to elite at anything. I also want to preface that we agree on this because we were talking off air about it. I don't think Alexi Lafreniere is elite in today's current NHL. Do I think he can be at some point? Yes. Why and that was why that why, was where why the, can he be elite? Because because so I watch him. Tell me the players that I just named: Kucherov, yes. McKinnon, McDavid, Pasternak, Matthews, Panarin. You think that he has? Even, you, you even miss? I think you miss Jack Hughes. I think Jack Listen, Hughes is elite. I agree. I, I didn't get them all. There's maybe mm-hmm. 15 of those guys, right? Yeah. That are truly mm-hmm. elite. Okay, you're Jack Hughes. I'd put him there. I'm yeah. just naming a few, and you mm-hmm. mean to tell me? That after seeing four plus seasons of Lafreniere, okay, you think he can get to elite level of hockey player? Are you I kidding do. me? 
I do. Why, why, why am I wrong? I How think could you the, even think that think, you're even remotely right? Okay, can, can you let me talk? Can you let me talk before you cut me NHL. off? Can you let me talk before you cut me off? Go ahead. I've watched him play every single game this season. He doesn't get, and I know you're going to use this against me, but he doesn't get any first power play time. And Why? Does, Why doesn't he get first power because, play time? Because their first power play unit, which actually has not been good, which should be changed up because they've been struggling. Johnny, since, stop making excuses. Why isn't he on the first power play? Because you're not going to take anyone off right now with how good. Okay, so he's not good know. enough for the Rangers' first power play. He, he is good enough for the Rangers' first power play. Okay, but so Peter Lavoie, but I still don't know where he fits. Coach Can I fucking talk? Can I talk? Doesn't think he's good enough. Can I talk? Talk. Can you're talk? talking. Here's another thing too. You look at Alexi Lafreniere's previous stops. He had two 100 plus point seasons in the queue. He had uh, two points per game in the so world. So juniors, junior. juniors. Can you. Okay. It doesn't matter. He's done it at every level prior to the NHL. Except and I still believe NHL. he can do it. Can I fucking please talk? You, you talk. You, you kill yourself. Talking. You kill yourself. It's insane. Go. He's proved it at every single level on his step of the way to the NHL. He is in his third full season. His first season was a COVID season. This is his third full season. He's 22 years old. He's fucking young. He's young. And there have been guys who maybe don't reach that plateau until later in their career. Nathan McKinnon was getting like 50, 60 points and exploded the first time, you know, he got to 90 and I don't think he's actually even hit hundred yet, or maybe he did last year. He's gotten it once I think, but you know what I mean? Even like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Had my point. You're just proving. You're no, just proving I, I am point. believing in the potential of a player that I watch every night who I see is a playmaker, not elite, but is a playmaker. He has chances to score goals. He's first on the Rangers in, and I know you're going to hate this. He's first on the it's Rangers. Sick, in high danger. These stats matter. He's first on the Rangers yeah. in high danger chances and second on the Rangers in scoring chances at five on five. And okay, I know, but what, okay, but okay. All right. So hold what? on. You're telling me what his expected numbers are, right? No, those his are chances. actual chances. Okay. Those are actual. Those so, are. Actual but let me stats. ask you, where does he rank on the Rangers in goals? How many goals does he have? He has, what is he 14, he has goals. 14, 14 goals. 12, 14 12 goals. 12 goals. He's, yeah. he's fifth or sixth on the Rangers in goals. So I'm not interested in how many expected goals he's supposed to score or how many chances he got. I'm dealing in reality. But he, do you not look not, at any potential? He's not, a, he's not a top end goal scorer. And then he's but not a are, top end yet. playmaker. These are yet. Okay? This is yet. He, he, he's not a top end playmaker. He's nowhere near close to the top of the league in assists. He's never had more than what? 30, uh, 35 assists in 30, a season. 39 points is his career high. It's career high, and you're sitting here telling me that he's going to be a hundred. You're writing off a 22 year old. I'm not writing, writing off, a him off. Nobody is saying this guy's not a good hockey player. But the, when when your fan base comes at me and says he's an elite playmaker, and you go on and no, you put a video they're, they're on the wrong, internet, yeah. you put a video on the internet where you say that you think a guy's going to get a hundred points who's only ever gotten 30. He's played almost 300 games in the NHL. This isn't his 50th game. Like, I am not saying this guy's not a quality NHL player. But to think that 300 games is some small sample size is absolutely ridiculous. Now, let, let me, me ask, ask you a question. question. <laughs> Go you? ahead. You All can right. ask. Why, why is there so much patience with maybe a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick? But, why? Uh, Do you really need me to answer that question? Why, why can't there be patience really with a 22-year-old? He's 22. 
He's a first overall pick, Johnny. Oh, but of why, course, but everyone develops at a different pace. Listen, and he is developing. The kid gets better every night in the NHL. But there's nothing about the way that he plays that says elite hundred point scorer. Nothing. I'm sorry, you're reaching. You're living in a fantasy land. Let me ask you a couple questions what? here. You got yeah. to ask your questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got to ask let maybe ask, one fucking question at any point I made. You try me, to talk over it. Let, let me ask you these questions here. Uh-huh. Let's start. I, I, let's start with one of his teammates, Artemi Panarin. Do you think he's an elite player in the NHL? Yes. Okay. He's played nine seasons in the NHL, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this came from Singzy. So shout out to Singzy. Okay? Yeah, I know he's against me too. Well, hold obviously. on. Yeah, Listen, yeah. Uh-huh. how many hundred point seasons has Artemi Panarin had in nine years? Okay. That's one. He's going to okay. get one this year. He's okay. Having, get one this Hold year. on. In his ninth season. Okay. That's one. Let me ask you about Patrice Bergeron. Do you put him as an elite NHL player? Yeah, but different, different, different. Okay. Vic, go ahead. No, no one, his, no one looks at Patrice Bergeron and thinks he's putting up points. He's not 73 a- points is the most Bergy ever had. Do you think you think Lafreniere does anything better than Patrice Bergeron? I don't think they're the same player. But but hold on. Let's just not make it overall. Let's talk about uh-huh. traits. Do you think he's a better passer than Patrice Bergeron? Not right now. He's still okay. young. Do you think he's ever going to be a better passer than a Hall of Fame he, Patrice Bergeron? He could be. He could be. So he could be. Do you think he's going to be? I, I mean, it's not clear right now. I'm just saying I okay, have. Okay, so you I, won't you won't have an opinion whether you no, think because he'll be a I know passer. I know if I say I think he's going to be a better passer than Patrice Bergeron, that gets fucking clipped. And okay, let's go to the, let's go to the next one. This one's really good. Okay, 16 seasons in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos. Okay, one season with a hundred plus points. Okay, let me ask you a question, Johnny. Do you truly think he's ever going to do anything better in the NHL? Any trait, passing, shooting, power play, penalty kill, uh, any ice time better than Steven Samkos? I think he'll have more assists than Steven Samkos for sure. I think he's a better playmaker than Steven Samkos. Okay. So 100-point season for a uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Lafreniere, okay. Lafreniere right, can on. score. Hold, he hold has on. the potential to score 30 to 35 goals, and he can oh. easily put up that 60 to 70 assists. Okay. Easily. All right. Let's 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 go to the next guy. Okay. Mitch Marner, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about assists. You you think Alexi Lafreniere is going to have more assists than Mitch Marner? I actually think they're similar players. Okay. I, I, I think they're similar. Oh, so you think their talent level similar. Okay, well, hold on then. That's I'm glad you think that. Let's mm-hmm. go to his rookie season, okay? 61 points. His second season, 69 points. Third season, 94 points. 67, 67, 97, 99 He's got 65 this year. This mm-hmm. looks like a year. Maybe he'll get to 100, okay? Do, do, you, do you see where I'm going with this yeah. just out of curiosity? Do you see yeah. how hard it is for players that are actually elite-level players to get 100 points? I'm, I mean, I'm not, Rich Martin is an saying elite playmaker. He's I'm an elite playmaker. He's not been able to do it yet playing on the first line, on the first power play. And, and, and what? Are you, are you going to say he can't do it ever? Are you going to write him off? He's got 99 points last year. I think he could potentially get it this year. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, so, so, but so you're what? But you're you're comparing a guy who had 61, 69, 94 I'm in his not. first three seasons to a guy who's never had more than 30 
plus assists in four I'm not years. Making any comparisons. I watch Alexi Lafreniere play every single night, and I think he has the tools to be that kind of player. I've never said Alexi Lafreniere right now is elite. I've never said he's going to be a hundred point scorer next season. He's twenty fucking two years old. I think maybe in six seven years when he's in his prime years, he could potentially get to that. That's well, all I've been saying. Really in that's, their prime at, that's at all I've been saying. I thought what? forwards got to their prime at like 25, 26. 26 to 29 is like usually what they say, like that, that, that window. But Panarin's what 30 right now and doing it. And so and, he's four years off of that. You know, yeah, which is which is still a lot of room to grow. It's but I, I but so then let me ask you a question. Why what? did all these guys put up all these numbers early on and show signs and make all-star games and make uh wasn't getting the ice time? He wasn't getting that. This is the first season he's been getting consistent top six minutes and he's still not even fucking playing on the first power play. And why been, is that? He's been, he's been very good at even. Strength. And why he's is that tenure. Johnny? Because the Rangers have been a competitive team. There's been guys in front so of it has him. Nothing to do with Chris him. Kreider, Chris Kreider and our Tony Panera were both playing left wing in front of him. He had to transition. Okay. To so it has nothing year. to do with him. It's all about the other guys around him. That's been the case as well. Okay. So you're just going to sit here and make excuses and be an apologist. And you're going to say Rangers were, else they, they were winning hockey games. They, they, he wasn't brought in to be a franchise savior. The team was winning games. They went to the Eastern conference final his second year in the league. Like you, you don't fix what's not broken. Like the Rangers were winning and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Like you don't care what your, what your prospect or whatever is doing. If your team's winning fucking hockey games, right? That's what matters the most is winning games. That's the, that's the business that everyone is in is winning hockey games this year. The and first so, time he's okay. had consistent top six minutes, Alexi Lafreniere has looked like a completely different player. He's been noticeable yeah. every night. He's creating maybe three to five high danger chances. I know they're not going in. He's not scoring goals. The, the points aren't there, but what's happening and what is there is the playmaking is the opportunities is him creating plays for himself and those around him. And I think he's only going right. to continue to get better and better and better. Okay, so let me ask one more question for you. What yeah. line does Jimmy VC play on? Just out of curiosity. He's on most the first nights. line right now. He was on the fourth line prior, but he's been on the fourth, third and fourth line the whole season. Yes. He's got two less goals than Lafreniere. I'm just saying he doesn't yeah. get any of those. He, actually, he has the same amount of even strength goals, but what you're going to say, Jimmy VC is better than Mika Zibanejad. Is that he's more than him. I think Jimmy VC is a quality player in the NHL, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he's going to score a hundred points or I Did think I he's going to say that. Did player. I say that? I'm just saying I- I'm comparing him to guys who his numbers match up to in goals right now. Like I keep hearing you say, you think he could score 30 goals or you think he can have 60 or 70 assists and nothing that we've seen lends to any of those things. I think he could be a guy who gets 30 and 30 and he helps his team and he plays on a power play. But I'm just saying if he was so good, if he was so good, he would force himself on to the first power play unit. He would force himself into these situations. He's never done it. I know you want to blame talent around him, but there's always going to be talent. They're going to keep getting more and more talent. So you want to take some questions from the chat, Johnny? I know you, 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 you monitoring the I'm, chat. I, I see I'm it looking at active. it right now for the first time. We got a Stamkos is kind of overrated from Matt Bung. No, I disagree with that one. He's actually, I think he's actually underrated. Um, one of the, I'm one with, of the greatest captains in the last 10 here's, years. Here, here, here seems reasonable. Mr. Mike 95. I'm with both of you. The chance for him to blossom is there, but how much of his success is due to Panarin this year? But also I think you can flip that and say a lot of Panarin success this year is because of playing with him. Panarin hasn't been playing with a guy like Trocek or he played with Trocek actually most of last year, but Panarin hasn't really had a skilled right winger on his line 
for, for most of his career with the Rangers. Last year, they trade for Kane and Tarasenko, and he gets a couple of looks with them. But prior to that, Panarin hasn't really had, you know, that much talent on his line. I think part of Panarin's success this year has to do a lot with Lafreniere. And even he said that. <laughs> Colby's a bully. Ch- Shaps, Shaps. No, I, I think this is honestly Shaps like in the chat. By the way, Shaps is in the chat. He says, "Oh, he was he was feeding me shit all last night. He was texting he, me all last night." He, he but, said, "Colby's a bully." No, hey, Shaps, I think, I'm going to see you in like two hours. I'm shooting one at your shin, buddy. I think this is just this is a good, healthy debate of someone who believes in a player's potential versus someone who doesn't. I think that's fine. Like, I don't think I don't think you're correct by saying he is only going to be a 67 meter point player. Like, yeah, that's what we know right now, but you can't, it's a, it's all hypothetical. I just no? think you're, you're, you're being such a homer the way you're looking at this whole thing. I'm I mean, just I, I think, I, I think you're ridiculous though. I, don't, I think you're ridiculous for comparing him to Jimmy VZ just because they had the same amount of goals. Well, but you're sitting here talking about, you're sitting here talking about his potential. Here we are. All right, well, well, let's four. look at this. And he's got the same amount of goals as their fourth line players. Let's look at this. He has more even strength points than John Tavares, than uh, I think Steven Samkos this year. Uh, who else is on here? So you want to compare him to 34 year olds who are on the, the 18. I'm just saying Samkos had a hundred points like two years ago. So we're talking about guys who are on the 18th hole of their Nick career Suzuki. now versus a 20. Nick Suzuki, Johnny Gaudreau, Dylan Larkin. He's got more even strength points than Dylan Larkin, Johnny Gaudreau, Nick Suzuki. Can I ask you a Ray question Cattano. about that then? Can I ask you what? a question about that? And then we should, we should move on. We don't want to yeah. spend the whole show talking about this. Yeah. Do power plays, are they like a fiction of an imagination? Just curiously, or are they part of the NHL? Oh my God. See, here's the problem. I'm just asking you a question. Yes. You're, yes. You, you now all you want to do is talk about, he doesn't get power play time. He doesn't, he get doesn't this. listen, but, but how many power plays a night do teams get? That's a still, big part of the NHL power play. It's a I huge think part. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're still talking about a 22 year old. I, I think that's the most important thing. Like, like you can't just say what his ceiling is at this point of his career. There's still Someone, so much room hey, to develop. Somebody but. commented in the, in the chat and said, Haha, it's like these guys are unevenly aged marriage, kind of like watching a car crash. K Wadi, Quadi, I guess. I don't know what the what yeah. the actual uh I don't know. So okay, we disagree. For the record, I think Lafreniere is a good good NHL player, but hearing people on social media all night last night tell me he's an elite playmaker. No, but I agree with you on that. He's not hysterical. And you telling us that on the show yesterday that this is a guy who's going to score 100 points, and now you want to die on the hill of him scoring 100 <laughs> points. You're making more bets, okay? But, you're writing okay. more checks you probably can't cash, and you're just digging the hole deeper and deeper with this stuff. I, I don't, I don't want to make this something like bigger than it is, but I also do think this is like sort of the issue with just where we're at right now in like media and players because players see this kind of like, you know, they see people bashing them. Like Lafreniere has gotten the, the bust uh, phrase thrown around now for like three years already. And it's got to affect players mentally when they see this stuff constantly. And I think the fact that, you know, there is takes around a 22 year old kid being, you know, called a buster or, or whatever saying he fucking sucks. Like there are people probably in his DMS all the time. Like I'm everyone, sure. every- you know what I mean? Like every D- Johnny, like, after you do a broadcast, do people, people never, never hate tweet you during a broadcast. 
Um, I mean, I don't think I've done a big enough broadcast for people to do that. Okay. Well, listen, man, here's yeah. the reality. If you choose a job that is a performance-based job mm-hmm. in front of 18,000 people every night and maybe a million people on TV, whatever it is, that comes with the territory. It's yeah. hard, but that's why you make millions and millions of dollars to deal with it. Try playing in the NFL and fumbling in the Super Bowl in front of 150 million people. Okay. Yeah. It's part yeah. of the job you chose. If you don't want to be under the microscope, find a job at a library where nobody's going to bother you. I mean, like, I just think that that argument is just more of this, no, sort no, no. Of like yeah. we're coddling him and making excuses for him when nobody's saying he's not a good player. He's mm-hmm. proven this year finally to be a, okay, I'm going to last in this league. In the last couple of years, you, you weren't I mean, even sure he was going to make it. No, no, listen, trust me. The, the last three years, I, I never had this opinion on last You're worried year. this guy wasn't even going to last yeah. in the NHL. No, I, I, I fully I fully own that. I said, you know, I actually said prior to the season, I was like, Capo Caco is going to be the dude. Lafreniere might struggle a bit. And boy, was I wrong with how opposite it's been, even though Caco is now. No shit. You know, Caco's now solidified his role a little bit on the third line. But I'm not sitting here saying Capo Caco is going to be a 100-point player. Like, you know, I, I I have learned what Capo Caco is. I've watched him play every night. I would never go out and say that. But from watching Alexi Lafreniere every single night, I think the potential is there. I don't think his ceiling is 60, 70 points. And that's all I wanted to say. And that's all this argument was. But... Okay. It's turned into something last, bigger than I thought it would be. Last comment we got from Kyle Hoffman, one of my Flyers Warriors guys. Um, mm-hmm. He said, Owen Tippett is an example of how things can turn quickly for these first rounders. A lot is mental and the season will be huge for him. Um, I don't know about the comparison between Lafreniere and Owen Tippett. I, I, I don't, I mean, no. Tippett also has a way different situation, way different opportunity, way different coach, a team that had no expectations but it is good to see him, you know, uh, basically have the Flyers win that closure trade with the way that Owen Tippett has played and then <laughs> give Torts a lot of credit for getting getting it out of him. What do you got? What do you got? We got a comment from AWIT82. More chance to Ottawa making the playoffs than last getting 100 points. <laughs> uh, it's good. just but the it last is funny, I- though. All the people that probably usually shit on him on social media, the minute we started saying you were crazy for that take. They all rallied around Lafreniere. He probably got more support on Twitter last yeah. night from Rangers nation than well, he ever normally does. I, I'm just telling you, like, I know there's stats, there's eye tests, there's actual results. And just from watching the kid play every night, his impact on the game has continued to grow. And there's, there's been multiple games this year where he's been the Rangers best player, like against Dallas the other night, he was so good. He literally created five extremely high danger chances himself and and nothing, there was nothing to show for it. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of all I've been trying to say this year is that although there is nothing to show for it, the growth and the opportunity has been there for him. And that's why I have started to believe in him way more. But I actually wanted to ask you a question about a different player, because when we were talking about this elite conversation last night, I was trying to think of like, who's the perfect player in the NHL right now that teeters that line of, is he just a good player or is he an elite player? And the name that came to mind, who we act, who we actually have talked about a lot on the show, and I'm curious who your thoughts or what your thoughts are on this player. But Matt Barzal was the guy where I was like, I think he's elite. No, he's not. But I don't know if he's really no, he's proven not. it yet. He's not elite. No, I know he, that's. I think he, he teeters that line. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's I put him in the Mika yeah. Benajad category. He's very good, but he's not elite. Okay, he had one season where he put up 
let's call it elite numbers, his first mm-hmm. year, 85 points. And then he's just been a very good player. He's been an all-star. Um, this you know, this goes back to what I said earlier, Johnny, is you, you know, not every guy in the all-star game's elite. No, I know that's that's and, what made me think of and it. And another quite and, and another comment in the chat from from um Quaddy or K Wadi. I like again, I'm not sure wh- which one to go with there, but um <laughs> the question is is does a does a one hundred does one one hundred point season make you elite? And and the answer would be no, in my opinion. You know, you yeah, like Ryan Nugent off, Hopkins isn't elite. He had 100 points last year. You could go off for one season, um, but Huberto. to be elite, you need to continue to do it. You need to continue yeah. to dominate. You need to continue to produce. You need to continue to, you know, hopefully get your team into the playoffs and stuff like that. So, no, in my opinion, one 100-point season does not make you an elite player consistency of dominating the league and dominating games and putting up massive, massive numbers like, you know, Kucherov and McKinnon and McDavid and Pasta and Matthews and Panarin and, um, you know, Quinn, excuse me, Quinn Hughes, he teeters on being elite, right? He, he looks, no, elite he had a great year last year too. Um, he's you know, this I mean, year. but he's, he's trending towards being elite, right? Jack Hughes. Like these are elite players. Like, look, Noah Dobson, I have him on this list, right? Because he's like a top 30 scorer in the NHL. Noah might become elite based on what we're seeing, but he's not there yet. He's mm-hmm. not. Um, he How just is isn't. He? How old is he? Um, I think he's, he's 24. Probably, he's probably like 24 years old now, yeah, something 24. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so it just, it does not, you you need to do it. Um, is Kyle Connor elite from Jay Miller? What do you think of that? Ooh, that's a good one. He's definitely an elite goal scorer. Definitely an elite goal scorer. I, I'd, I'd say he's the most underrated player in the NHL by far. He's put up like what? Back-to-back 40 goal years, I, th- I think, right? Something like that. I don't know his stats um, offhand, but that's a good one, Jay. Honestly, yeah. I, I, let me just be totally honest with you on that, Jay. Mm-hmm. I don't watch enough Winnipeg. Yeah, okay? I mean, but you can be an elite goal scorer, but not an elite player. I think he's an elite goal scorer. I don't know if he's an elite player. So, so what I would say is, is that I only really catch Winnipeg when they're playing someone on like a marquee TNT game, you know, like an ESPN Sunday game, whatever, if they get them, which they don't normally do. So I don't necessarily have, um, I I don't have a good feel for that question. I think he's at least very good. He's Mm -hmm. a hair under being an elite player. But Um, you can admit he's an elite goal scorer. Yeah. Listen, the guy, I mean, he had 47 goals and then he had 31 this year. He has 20, um, but he's been hurt. He's missed a lot of time, but you know, 31 is good, but that doesn't, you know, you need to be 40 plus every year to be an elite goal scorer. I mean, you really do. Uh, there's, I I think there's less elite goal scorers than there are elite playmakers. Like, I think there's more guys who can be elite passers and visionaries than there are elite goal scorers. Um, J-Rock says... Is it important to have the labels of elite? What purpose does it serve? Or is it just for fun conversation? I think it's for fun conversation. And I think, yeah. you know, when you're talking to, to coaches, like, I mean, when I used to do my coaches meetings before every game last year in Chicago, like coaches will refer to other players like that. You know, he's an elite shooter. Uh, he's a, he's an elite power play guy. Like it's a label coaches and GMs use, but they save it for the top category of players, right? Like, Again, you're not giving that to everybody on every, there's really one, maybe, maybe two on each team, but not every team even has one necessarily. 
um, in that category. Mo- most teams do at this point, but not everyone. Probably half or three, you know, half the teams I would say have a pure elite, elite level player. Um, so that's that's a, a fair question. Um, have any of these players putting up big numbers actually helped their team? I would argue 200 foot 20 goal score is more valuable. Look, that that's a fair statement. That's about team construction from from you know D. Ely and and how a GM puts their team together. Um, because look, we've seen um, the 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 Austin Matthews group have a hard time getting through the playoffs, and Matthews is an elite player and definitely an elite goal scorer, but also an elite player. McDavid hasn't been to the the conference finals yet. Um, yes. Or sorry, he hasn't been to the Stanley Cup finals yet. He's been to a conference final, and right now the way Edmonton's playing, they don't necessarily look like a team that's gonna you know defend hard enough and and uh, make it back to the to the you know maybe, but. Look, that's a fair question. Although the response I would give you to that is Kucherov has played in a number of finals and, and had a huge impact on those finals. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think we can look around the NHL at, you know, some of the runs Boston had and and, um, look Bergeron, he was never an elite, an elite point guy, but he was an elite hockey player. He really was, and he led his team. Um, more of a complete such a Canes guy. He's such a Canes guy. I'd rather have a guy like Sebastian Ajo than many of those so-called elite players. I mean, Patrick Kane has been an elite NHL player for a very long time, and and took his team to three cups, surrounded by other elite. You know, I think you know uh, Duncan Keith was an elite player. Yeah. Um. You know, I wouldn't put Seabrook as an elite player. He no. was probably that tier right under. Um, you know, Jonathan Taves, probably, you know, an elite leader, but was mm-hmm. he an elite player? He's probably in that second, you know, he, he's still a hall of famer though. Um, so it's, it's really just all about conversation and debate and, and, you know, looking at, at, at these different things, but, you know, ultimately, um, I, I wanted to make sure we, we defined at least for us, how we talk about yeah. elite. Well, and we agree on that. Yes, we, we do. We do agree on that. So. Look, I wanted it to be clear too. I'm not sitting here saying I think Alexi Lafreniere is an elite player in the NHL. No, but I think you did say that he's an elite playmaker. No, you didn't say that. that. Okay. All right. Fine. But, but a lot of people on, on, on X was after that video were coming for me saying that he's an elite playmaker, but he just doesn't get, if he's an elite playmaker, he's on the first power play. But even tying this back and this is, I don't know why this just came to my brain. This might, you, you actually, I will give you, Full permission to shit on me for this one, but as Vinny Trocheck, like, no, let's not. No, even, no, 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 no. This is. No, I'm not talking about you. D. Uh, Ely is asking no. about certain players, like not elite, very, no. very good player, very good. not elite, very good, not elite. Um, just the development conversation we were going to. Wasn't Matt Gilroy like 25 when he was on your team and won the Hobie Baker? He might have even been 26, but yeah, yeah. like, like, isn't that like crazy? How like all these guys develop and, and he became a pretty solid NHL player. No, like, well, not he had, great, no, not great. no, he had a tough time. And listen, Matt Gilroy was, was an unbelievable college player. He was an NHLer. I don't know how many games he played. Maybe Vic can look that up. Matt Gilroy. Um, but he, he struggled in the NHL. He struggled finding a home. He struggled finding his way. He struggled putting up numbers and he was an offensive minded guy. Um, but you that's know, a 26 I've, year old playing college. Unless you right. I mean, listen, he, he went 22. in as a 20 year old walk on, he played 225 games. So he had a nice little chunk and then he probably played in Europe. Now he coaches at the U S national team. Um, and he's making his way way as a coach, um, super smart hockey player. But 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, what like let me ask you a question. I, what's what's your point of that? Like, I don't just saying how how the age gap. Like, not everyone at twenty two is going to be their best. Not everyone at dude. Of course not. 20, no, but but he, but but that goes back to our whole conversation. Well, so so let me ask you this then, and then yeah. this will be my last comment about Alexi Lafreniere. You yeah. brought up Nathan McKinnon. You uh-huh. said early in his career he was getting 50, 60 points. Okay. Mm-hmm. When McKinnon was 22 or in his third or fourth year in the NHL, which is where we're at with Lafreniere, actually, we're year four going on five. Okay. For Lafreniere, mm-hmm. do you really think you're seeing the same level? Not at like, all. Okay. Not at all. But also, so, but also, Nathan McKinnon was, was brought into a pretty, you know, dog shit organization at the time. They, they were not very good. They were, I think, last place his first year. They, they made the playoffs his second year but it's a, it's a different situation that he was brought into. Like, and I know that is a crutch and that's something that like I can use as something to lean on. Like the same with Jack Hughes, he was brought in to be a franchise savior, which he right. has been. Jack Hughes has been, yeah. and I'm not comparing it to, cause I, Jack Hughes is my favorite player in the NHL. I've been open about that for a little over a year now. Like I love that kid. Yeah. He's so no, fun I to watch, it. but the situations are different. Like I think Lafreniere could have hit, maybe 60, 70 points by now, had he been drafted by Ottawa or, you know, one of those teams. Like I, could've, I just think could have, could have, would have, should have, man. This, Come this on. whole thing is could have, it's this whole thing. No, whichever right now side, we're talking about whichever what's side you're on, we're talking whichever about what's side already on, happened. Thing is hypothetical. So J rock has a comment in the chat right now. The most important thing has to be heart. I'd rather have 23 players who have heart and outwork everyone than two filthy goal scores. Look, that, how's that gone the NHL, Carolina? How's that gone every, for Carolina? Everybody in the NHL works hard. Um, Teams manage the puck, some better than others. Um, Some turn it up more than others. And and look, before we started the show, Johnny and I were having this conversation and this will bleed us in. Oh, actually, we're going to talk about Matthews next, not the the, the Boston Edmonton game. But look, uh, J-Rock, I got to tell you something. If I was starting an NHL team right now, um, like as much as McDavid is the best player in the world, I think I would rather have start my team with Kale McCarr just because if my own opinion is I would build from the back. Like if I had to choose between McCarr and McDavid, I'd start with McCarr. I really would. I'd rather have McCarr and McKinnon. Okay. And McKinnon is, is under McDavid. McDavid's in a world of his own. Then McDavid and, you know, Bouchard or nurse or whatever, because I have a lot of value on building through the back end. Me personally, um, there's obvious bias there based on the position that I played, but I see what's successful and I see the decors that are winning in the Stanley cup every year. And they usually have one thing in common, a really deep stack defensive core. So we saw that last night in the Boston Edmonton game while Goaltending wasn't great for either team. Swayman let a, you know, laid an egg last night. I mean, he he was pretty bad, which is yeah. fine, honestly. You know, Olmark will come back tonight, and then Swayman will be fine. He's just been so good this season. But Stuart Skinner was terrible last night. I mean, he lets up three soft goals. Um, you know, six five is is not the way for Edmonton. And honestly, Boston hasn't defended great or been real thorough with the puck as of late either. Um, but look, I only saw the first period of the game and then I watched the condensed version this morning. So I really only saw highlights, Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, we talked about this on the show with Butchie yesterday. He's just in in another world, but you watched more of the game than I did. You stayed up. So 
you know, give, give us a little idea and a little breakdown on your thoughts on that game because wow, it had everything. Yeah. First of all, this goal was unbelievable, but yeah, that game was to me, in my opinion, one of the games of the year, if not the game of the year so far, it had, it had fighting, it had physicality, it had high scoring. And, you know, listen, as much as I do love watching a good one, nothing two one hockey game, that's, you know, back and forth, tightly played. Everyone loves a good barn burner too. Like I love seeing a six, five score and you know, those aren't very common. Um, but last night I thought Edmonton totally dominated the third period. And yes, I was, up at 12 30, one o'clock in the morning, sweating. I had 26 out text messages oh. I woke up to, FYI. 26 was, from Johnny. I was sweating out the last leg of a parlay to hit $1,200. I had Edmonton money line, and I was so fired up when they came back from down four to two. They were actually down four to one, and they came back to tie it up. Corey Perry got into a fight. He scored the tying goal at four to four. But then David Pasternak comes back and scores, in my opinion, a beautiful goal. You think Skinner or any NHL goalie that's going to be on a contending team? Has to stop that. Yeah, let's, I know let's you're gonna, show that. Yeah, let's I, I know show you're going to come in with a, with a strong opinion here. But I want to say, too, David Pasternak's one of maybe top five most elite goal scorers in the NHL. I think top two, by the way. I think he's after Matthews. Two? I think he's the most elite goal scorer after Matthews. But what I'm saying about this goal mm-hmm. is that, to me, Skinner has to come up with this save. And if you can f- freeze it for us right here, Vic, um, I think you got to give more credit to the shooter though. Listen, here's my question for you. Why is Skinner not out further? And why is Skinner leaking to the middle? I think there's another camera angle after this, or is it just one? No, it's just the one shot. Look at Skinner's positioning. Okay. To me, he's off the angle. He's giving up the short side. He's not fully out of the blue paint. There's no white sweaters around. Why not be out another step or two taking away more net? And I think he's got to come up with this save. It's late in the third period, seven minutes to go. He He's just, to me, he's too far back in his crease. And I think he's got to make the save. I'm not saying it's a soft goal, but I yeah. think he's got to make the save. Unlike the Marshawn goal, which yeah, to Marshawn me was, was just, soft. that was horrible. I mean, that was just but, a soft goal. But on the Pasternak goal, I think Pasta scoring maybe on like eight out of 10 goalies on that shot. Like that's, he's at the hash marks. Like that's, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. He's scoring that goal more often than not. I don't care who the fuck's in that. To me, honestly, that looked more like an Austin Matthews goal. Like those are though we see Matthews score from that spot all the time on that wrister. Um, Pasta's more of that that one timer over on that left side of the power play, or you know he makes those crazy individual you know moves around the net. But I don't know. I just didn't think um, I didn't think Skinner was positionally sound there. I don't think his feet were set. I don't think mm-hmm. he had his his position in the net. And if you want to be a, a number one goalie in the NHL with seven minutes left, you got to come up with a save. You just do. Well, there was no screen. Well, maybe a little screen. Pasta does a nice job of using. But like also David Pasternak in the, at the hash marks. I, I, I understand that, Johnny. But we're talking about a team that has their sights set on the Stanley Cup. You need number one goaltending, consistent number one goaltending. And if you want to be that, you have to come up with that save. You just do like, I, I well, no, I, I want to talk about the overtime goal too. Cause he's getting a lot of crap for that poke check, but something that was missed or that hasn't been talked about. I, I thought, you know, I texted my buddy jazz, who's the researcher for TNT. I was like, bring this up right now because Evander Kane, uh, McLeod and nurse were on the ice in overtime. The puck went, they, they iced the puck and Evander Kane could have easily won the race to the puck but those guys were gassed and they all went to the bench, I guess, thinking that it wouldn't have been called icing. I don't know why else they wouldn't go after that puck to win the race and then maybe go for a change. 
but they screwed themselves. They trapped themselves on the ice. Boston wins the faceoff. Who are you they talking present- about? What player in particular? Kane, Nurse, and McLeod. All three of them were gassed. Uh, Kane specifically, though, he had a he had okay. a rough game. Flush it Kane, out. Evander Kane had a rough game. He had that you turnover. Be, that you can be harsh on a player. Go for he it. He had the it turnover that I don't like being harsh on players, but he had the turnover that led to the Pasternak goal, and then in overtime. He doesn't go after the puck. He lets it be an icing. Then he gets stuck on the ice. You see him dive bomb at McAvoy, fully laying down. Looks like he's going on a slip and slide. McAvoy dangles, comes in and, and goes back in on Skinner. But Skinner got screwed by the three guys on the ice because they were all dead. They were out there for like yeah, a minute yard and a half. Sale. That was ugly. Terrible. I'm not, I don't put the game with like, that's just Charlie McAvoy making an unbelievable play. But Skinner's I mean, getting so much blame for this poke check attempt, which, you know, oh, granted, he, granted, he probably, you know, could have played listen, that a little bit man. differently. You got guys sliding in front of you, guys sliding. It's fucking melee. It's three on three. Like, I'm going to be hard on the guy when I think he should make a save. To me, McAvoy just made an unbelievable play there. You tip your cap to him and you, you, you move on with that. So um, that was a good hockey game. Maybe, maybe a Stanley Cup preview. We said that about Dallas, New York the other night. This could happen. It it could. Um, it, it really could. And on, on the other side of Canada, even though this game happened in, in Arizona, probably the last time that Maddie Nyes and Austin Matthews are going to play a game in Arizona. Um, Matthews just continues, man. Two more goals last night. The first goal... You know, I think I saw Jay Rosehill tweet this and sorry for not prepping you on this one, Vic, because it just came into my mind. But um, he he made a statement on Twitter. How how does Matthews keep scoring from such a quote unquote useless area? Like he's down in the corner, basically, and he just, you know, throws one towards the net. And it just I mean, there's there's obviously something to it, you know, because he keeps scoring goals like this from every angle of the ice. And no, that one's like his fourth or fifth from that specific spot this year. He, he's he's look, he is giving us no indication that he's not going to score 70 goals this year. And I said it on Leafs radio yesterday morning with with um, Carlo Colavacchio. Colavacchio. I get it. Colavacchio. <laughs> I have an accent. OK, Close. Um Close. I said it yesterday on their show. If he gets 70 plus, then he he should be in the heart. You know, he he's right there for the heart. If he doesn't, well, he doesn't have the assists to, to back it up. Um, and the and the overall point total to back it up. So he's unbelievable. Um, he just continues to put on a show. Here's their next three games, though, Johnny. They've got Vegas, Colorado, and Vegas over their next three games. At Vegas, at Colorado, home versus Vegas. Morgan Riley's coming back and they could be five and oh without him. What they happens? Are they they are five and oh without him. Oh, so last night was five and oh. Last okay. Five, sorry. Yeah. I thought it was four. So it's five. So yeah. here's my question to you. What happens when they lose to Vegas? When Morgan Riley comes back for, for his first game off the suspension, what is I going mean, to happen in Toronto? I mean, is it not more obvious that not only are they losing the first game back, they're going to lose three straight. <laughs> like, oh, you think be, they're going to go three? You think they're going to go totally ice cold? It's how the Leafs work, man. This is this is it every time. It, it's so obvious. Vic's like, I'll bet you. But this look, they did typical. they did almost collapse against the Coyotes last night. That game got to four three, and it got tight quick. Yeah, it was like three two, then four two, then then four three. Um, you know, there was a couple times where Vic was sweating a bit, but uh, yeah, I I think if if anyone's watched the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last few years, I I think they'd bet the Leafs lose three straight. 
more than not. All right. So is this an official position bet against our producer, Vic? Um, I don't know what we're going to bet. I think this is more in good fun. Just like a good okay, way. To laugh Cause you've got a lot right? of bets out on the table. No, right but, now. That's, but this is a good way to laugh. And leave. They're getting like, expensive for you quickly. Um, this isn't something that I like, you know, I, I think the Leafs like are playing bad and I think they're going to lose three straight. It's just the, the narrative and the, uh, the, the vibe around Toronto is that this would be typical of them to happen. You know? Um, Manny is asking me, Colby, is that a Trenton Titans hat? So it is the Trenton Titan logo, but it's a New Jersey Titans hat. So I, I work with the New Jersey Titans, um, youth program and the NAHL team. I know our, our, our guys over there are always Craig Doremus, Kyle Shapiro. Those guys are, are always Bobby Dorico. They're always watching the show. Um, so this is just, you know, after we get done the show, I head down to Middletown to, to jump on the ice with those guys. Um, our guy, Danny Howard and George Havel, and they also watch the show as well. So we love the support from our, from our Titans fam in Jersey and you used to play for those guys back in the day in long Island. Right, Johnny. Yeah. I played for Craig in like 11th grade, probably the first coach who ever told me I could play D one actually. Um, and he, and he's to this day defends that you were a good player. So I was a good player. He, <laughs> I, I Listen, you found your way onto a, a hockey yeah. division one hockey team. I'll never say you weren't a good hockey player. My by confidence the way. just got destroyed in college. And I I'll, I'll give you a lot of shit about a lot of things, but I won't degrade the fact that you were a division one hockey player and you went to UMass and you played at Mercier's that, you never hear me attack that. I know. I'm I also a division credit. one, a division one hot taker. You're a division but, one hot taker. Yeah. Lafreniere a hundred points. So, but uh, all right. I do want to, I do want to shout out the chat as well. Ethan Zaretsky who, who works with us. Uh, he said the energy in the chat right now is awesome. And I, and I agree. It's been the nonstop the whole show. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We, we, we love getting to the comments. What are you going to say? We knew that today's debate would, would bring, would bring the chat alive. Um, you know, but also it's, 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 it's a, it's it's tough for me to debate this one because it comes from a passionate place. So yes, I understand the bias behind it, but like which one I, are we I talking? Still, Lafreniere? Yeah, but I still won't back down from it. Like and isn't he kind of mean to you when you see him face to face? No, no, no. He just there was one question where he gave me a short answer that that people were like, you know, giving me shit for. But still a great question, I think. If he took it in a different direction. You asked some good question. questions. I, I'll give you that. You yeah. you get in the press conference and raise your hand like a good student and you get your questions in with Lavi. You no, always actually no, Lavi I, I always gives say. you thorough answers. He always gives you thorough answers. Because the he way probably the, appreciates that you actually know the game. Um, where most of the questions that he's getting in those press conferences are from people who had their heads buried in their laptop all game. So but I do want to say, like, for people who don't know, just a cool kind of behind the scenes thing. Every team's press conferences are different. Like, I've been to Islander Devils press conferences, and there's people like passing out a microphone, and like, you raise your hand for the microphone. The Rangers is a free for all. You got to just like, if there's a second of pause, you got to get your question. And it's pretty different or pretty wild how different uh, yeah. every organization is with their press conferences. So I yeah. think that's like a cool, you know, behind like the first couple of times I was in there, like, you know, last year. I was terrified to like speak over anyone, you know, like it's just a pecking order. You don't want to get daggers from Larry Brooks. Um, oh no, definitely not. Definitely not. So but there's a lot right, of things look, you learn along I, the way. I know we're two weeks and a day to the trade deadline. Let's table that to next week. Let's see mm -hmm. what happens this weekend. And then we'll jump into that on Monday, Johnny, because 
I, I want to talk about Patrick Kane returning to Chicago this weekend. Um, we obviously don't have a show on Friday, so we're not going to have an opportunity to discuss it tomorrow. It, it's the same day that they're, you know, um, uh, they're, they're, he's coming back this weekend to play his first game back in Chicago. Uh, that's, that should be a pretty emotional thing for, for the Chicago Blackhawks fans, because, you know, Kane is, is a living legend there. Well-deserved living legend. He had some quotes yesterday or the day before that basically said, had they wanted me to come back, even if Mm. they said, we need you to work with us on contract. Um, I probably would have had a hard time saying no. I don't necessarily believe that, to be honest with you. I think that's I just, it's easy to say that now because um, you're you are not there, you're gone, you've moved on, and it's easy to kind of throw shade back in the organization. I don't think Kane has any attachment to any of the people left in the organization, top to bottom, management, coaching staff, even, you know, Rocky Wirtz passed away. Um, and, and that was really, I know Patrick and Rocky Wirtz were super tight. His son took over the team. I don't think the same relationship is there by any means. So I think it's easy for Kaner to throw shade back. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe, believe that by the way, that he would have stayed and been on a team this bad, um, and rode this rebuild out. I I just don't. I mean, he also made it pretty clear. He wanted to go to New York. No, like that was pretty. Well, once, once he decided, yeah. But I, I still think nobody wants to really be a part of that situation, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, it was clear what Chicago was doing the last, what, one to two years even. And any player that's had the success that Kane wants, you crave that success. And I think, you know, like you said, Kobe, I don't really have any like anything to really say on that because I, I just kind of fully agree with what you said. But um, well, look, it'll I'm, be- sure, I'm sure he gets a very nice... You know, oh, he should. I mean, there should be everything and everything, you know, under the sun about him. I think it's going to be really cool for Connor Bedard to get an opportunity to play against Kane. I'm Mm. sure the video tributes will be long and they'll probably be after every whistle. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they were showing highlights at at every TV timeout on the Jumbotron, this and that. So that'll be a cool moment. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it gets handled, but it's going to be standing ovation after standing ovation. And Kane is incredibly, um, incredibly popular and, and, you know, he, he's competitive and he's going to want to score. So what's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see is probably when, he scores, when he scores at the United center, I could see the Blackhawks fans cheering for the goal. I really could. That's how much they love Patrick Kane. And I, honestly, I think it's cool and I think it's well deserved. And I think they're also cheering for their team to lose anyway. So what's the fuck? You know, what is it? At this matter? point, right? You, <laughs> yeah, wanna, so, you wanna go so slacking for Macklin. I bet you half the stadium will be wearing Patrick Kane jerseys. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually guarantee you maybe there's even a Ranger Patrick Kane jersey in there. I I, I could see that happening. Um I, I do kind of want to go off topic, actually, because we have a good question in the chat from Olivia. Yeah, this I is saw off, that. You saw that? I mean, I think this is something that we could talk about now. Yeah, quickly. Go ahead. You yeah, want to? This, this is off topic. If not today, sometime. Can you explain how teams get to the regional and frozen four for college hockey? I'm a Canadian who just started watching college hockey. You want to take it away? Yeah. So look, they use something called the pairwise rankings. Um, it, it is a math formula based on wins, wins on the road, wins against top team, top 10 teams, strength of schedule, all these things. Strength of schedule and, is the biggest. And throughout the season, these rankings formulate 
um, and 16 teams make the NCAA tournament. And what happens is, is the, the major conferences hold their own conference tournament, Hockey East, um, the Big Ten, the NCHC, um, the, EC, the or- ECAC, and it, Atlantic Hockey, and then the CCHA. So there's six yeah. conferences. The winners of those tournaments um, all get automatic you know, you're automatically in because you won your conference tournament. Generally speaking, at least four of those teams, four of the six of those conference champion teams would be in the NCAA tournament anyway. Okay. It doesn't guarantee you a one seed. It just guarantees you you're in the dance. And then the rest of the tournament is picked using the pairwise. They come up with the field of 16, right? So they pick the other, let's say 13 teams. So it's Mm. usually like the top 13 of the pairwise. And then there's maybe three surprises based on how conference tournament play ends. Yeah. And then they come up with a bracket. Um, they don't let inner conference matchups happen on the opening night. So you'll never play a team from your own conference on the opening night of the regional. And then it just becomes one game elimination bracketed format all the way through the frozen four. Um, and that's, that's kind of how the, the flow of the NC tournament goes. But also isn't the regional like sometimes, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, it's not always based on like location of the school. Like there are times where like a second or third seed goes to play somewhere and that's like where their home fans are, right? Right. That so happen? what they do is, is they try to keep schools geographic if they can, because yeah. they want to sell more tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do, they start with the one seeds, like BU and BC are most likely B- one. Wasn't, wasn't BU North Dakota, wasn't BU a one seed when they played North Dakota in Fargo? Right. And, and they were a three or four seed. So, and they were like the away team. It was crazy. But like this year, for example, Springfield and Providence are Springfield, Mass, Providence, Rhode Island are two regionals. BUBC will be probably the one seed in those two regionals. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll keep them geographically home. They will not play hockey East teams in the opening round. So that's how the format goes. We'll talk about that as we get closer. Cause that's a tournament that I do um, before we, before we end today's show, Johnny, 11 NHL games tonight. I don't even really have to ask you this, but what, what's what's the, the few games or the marquee game for you tonight? Well, I know you know the first one I'm going to say, and that's the stadium series final between the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, that's going to be a big one for New York. They're trying to win their eighth straight or I think ninth straight game. Is it eight? Uh, nine. Maybe nine. I think nine. 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 Yeah, ninth straight game. Ninth straight game. And then um, Florida and Carolina rematch the Eastern Conference final last year. Florida's won six straight games. Freddie Anderson's returning possibly uh, tonight. He might get that starting goal. So those are the two games I'm looking at, obviously also because Carolina's chasing the Rangers in the Metro and the Rangers and Devils are playing each other in the Metro. So it's just uh, a big night for the Metropolitan Division. Um, Anything else you got your eye on? I mean, look, I think Toronto Vegas is a big game. Let's see if if Toronto's really going to trend in the direction of a serious hockey team. They've obviously been on another streak. Um, they've played much better defensively for the most part. Um, you know, they, they've been hungrier on pucks. It's the second half of a back-to-back. So it, it could be a tough game against a tough structured Vegas team. Shea Theodore is back for Vegas. That's huge for Vegas. I know Eichel's out. A lot of people are pissed right now because they think the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to keep him out until the playoffs and go and fill his nine and a half or $10 million right. in cap space. And, you know, round and round we go on the merry-go-round. So 
Um, you know, look, a, a, a couple other games tonight, Florida, Carolina, that's a big boy game. I, I think it's more important for Carolina than it is Florida. Cause I think Florida is the best team in the NHL right Agreed. now. So if they Agreed. don't win a game, it's not a big deal for Carolina. It's more of a measuring stick. How good are they? How good can they really be? Um, you know, other than that, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there are other games, but those are probably the games that I'll be most focused on Johnny. Um, couple more questions in the chat. If we want to, if we want to hit those before we let them go, J rock is saying, look out for Colby's Blackhawks takes. I say this in jest because we talked about your takes earlier this week. Look, I just want to say this about the Blackhawks. I'm a big believer in what Kyle Davidson is doing. And, and I hope Macklin Celebrini ends up there because I think it'd be unbelievable to have that duo together for the next 15 years. I mean, you could start counting your Stanley cups. If, if those are, if that's your duo um, and you've got this decor potential, you could build around Vlasic and Korchinski and Jones and this and that, um, you know, my whole thing with Bedard yesterday was look, Bedard missed 20% of the season and Faber has been incredible. And to say that this isn't a conversation is just being a little too biased and a little too Homer. I saw all these people being like, Oh yeah. Would, so you would trade Faber for Bedard? No, not in a million years. Bedard is a generational talent face of the NHL. Faber is going to be a star potential Norris trophy candidate D one day, but I'm still not saying I think I would trade them. That's insane. I would hold on to Bedard every wish and luck that I could. Um, but if you're really truly watching the NHL and you realize a player misses 20% of the games and you watch another player star for that long, saying that's not a conversation is is just being a little too biased and a little too Homer. And that's kind of what I was thinking. And then go you ahead. Just wanted to put that one to rest, huh? Well, that was bothering, I, you. That was bothering you. I could tell. It, it was, a. I mean, the amount of people that were, they clearly didn't even watch the video. They just read the top and they didn't watch the video. Mm-hmm. And then they start spouting these things off at me about how I would trade one for the other. Like, that's like ridiculous. No, Nobody's saying that whatsoever. That's just hearing what you want to hear. Another question that is in the chat, Johnny, and this one I'm going to give to you. Do you think NC State and UNC will play NCAA hockey in the future? They are the top two teams in the A. CCHL and ACHA. I mean, as soon as college hockey reaches the ACC, I'm moving out of New York and I'm going to work for one of those schools. Uh, I love <laughs> ACC basketball. Or like I the SEC, the ACC. Why not? Like, do you think it's going to happen? I don't see why not. If the schools can afford it and they already have good club programs, like NC State especially, I'm pretty sure they like sold out an outdoor game last year. Yeah. I think. But here, right? let, like, me throw the, let me throw this yeah. at you. Two things you got to keep in mind. Okay. If you're starting a men's program, you got to start a women's program. Okay. Cause of title nine. Okay. Is, is that, is that true? Well, well because no, Syracuse has women's, but not men. Right. But what you, it, so remember you for every men's scholarship or for, there has to be a women's scholarship or vice versa. Does so, it work both ways? If you were to start, yes, you have to have an even, it has to so be how the does same. Syracuse work then. Well, because they have men's football and they don't have women's football. Okay. Okay. Just there. It <laughs> I has to. The sport. Yeah, I, I know. I know. It, it has to balance <laughs> each other out. But here's I why I, I worry about it because I just think that these schools that do without it, they make so much money. Why do they want to dip into their budgets and start start hockey programs from nothing? You know, look. I hope it happens, De Lee. 
FYI, I think it would be great, yeah. but I don't actually think it's going to happen. That's just I mean, l- listen, we, we've seen the support that the Carolina Hurricanes get, and we know how people treat colleges like in that area as well. Like the Duke UNC rivalry is the best rivalry in all of college basketball. There's no reason to say why that couldn't work in hockey. Listen, but you, right? you could say, why doesn't USC start a team? Why doesn't, or, I mean, there's a lot of schools that look like they've got good club hockey programs that they could do it. But you is the support need, there? But is the support there? Million dollar, they need someone to donate $100 million and say this is for the hockey program like Terry Pegula did at, at Penn State. If that, if that's, if you want to, if you want a program, you need a, a super rich guy or, or gal to make that donation to kickstart the program. Otherwise I don't see it happening. I just, I just don't. But I think the support is already in place for those schools, especially NC state. Like if you see their club games, they get really big crowds. Like even Mm -hmm. a school like university of Arizona, they're a club team and they get a shit ton of people at their games. We've seen it work with ASU. Like they're another school that can come in and probably have a D one program. I think that's the biggest thing is, getting the support from the local community yeah. from the students Pac-12 is kind of falling apart, but yeah, it, but I mean, you know what I mean? I, I think that's where you look at it and say like, like who's the new school, St. Augustina, like in uh, where like, South Dakota or something? something like that. Yeah. They play, I think out of the Sioux Falls rink. Mm-hmm. Um, and they well, need a rink. You need a rink and you need a lot of, you need a huge donation. So yeah. D Ely, if you've got a hundred million sitting around, I would say start her up. Okay. And we'll get we'll get the college we'll tell your boy Aho to throw in some money. We'll, exactly. Yeah, we'll yeah. get the college hockey people to jump on and and pump the program. So um you got anything else, Johnny? I, I think that's 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 all she wrote today. Oh uh, yeah, this was a fun one. And uh, you know, we got another show coming Monday. We have the weekend to digest everything and um we're gonna yeah, go clip. You're gonna go post videos on social media all day today of you talking about your your boyfriend, uh Alexia. It's it's a game day for me, so I won't be uh, too locked into to social media. Actually, I'm heading to the SNY studio for a quick hit shortly um, about tonight's game, so I got to get going here. But um, big thank you to the hockey. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Big thank you to the chat. Uh, big thank you to our producer, Vic. This was a fun one. Always a good, healthy debate. I'm sure we're still going to keep going. You at got it crushed there. today, by the way. This I still like don't think so. Even A. Smith so. and Max Kellerman. That's what today was like. Who Who's who? Come on. We know who's who. <laughs> we know who's who. I don't know if either one's that great, but whatever. Really, Stephen uh, A. Smith is a, is a hell of a debater. I mean, you don't have to agree with the guy, but he he brings facts and he comes hard with it. And Max Kellerman used to sit there like a puppy dog with his tail between his legs. All right. Kobe Cohen's a Stephen A. Smith of hockey. You heard it from him first. No. That's going to wrap up the show. No, That's gonna wrap up the show. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>